It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. We have those Oilers highlights in our intro for Inside Sports. Our first guest tonight would have stopped both of those scoring opportunities. We welcome back to the show former Edmonton Oiler, former NHL goaltender Joaquin Gage. Joaquin, how are you doing, buddy? Good, Reed. How are you doing, man? Good. You would have been all over McDavid after he beat Riley. You just would have said, Riley, I gotcha. He's not scoring. Total denial. Well, no, yeah, I would have stopped it because I would have still been back on the first move that he did, and eventually he just does so mad that he comes back to the first one. So <laughs> as long as you stay still, I think that's the best way to stop Connor McDavid. <laughs> Who was the shiftiest player you ever faced coming in one-on-one or with the most oh, deceptive gosh. moves? Um, yeah, <laughs> there's There were so many, but I remember... Um, I, well, I grew up in Vancouver, so it was it was great because I could uh, in the summer times get up against some of the Canucks. And I remember one day uh, uh, Pavel came out and uh, Burray, and he he didn't play much in his own zone and just kind of I think he was just practicing his breakaways that day. But he came down on me and ten times I counted ten times scored every single time. And usually someone goes back to the well with a certain move once in a while. He did something different every single time, which uh, just goes to show you he was one of the best uh, best goal scorers ever. So that, you, you were playing junior back home for the summer and you skating with some of the Canucks? Yeah, so it was like Linden and Yerke Lume and Pavel, his, his little brother Valeri would be out there and and uh, some of the top draft picks. Uh, Cook was out there and stuff, so... You know, it was it was awesome because I'd be playing junior and being out on the ice with NHL guys was always great. But with uh, when you can put yourself up against the best, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, especially as a goalie. Yeah, for sure. Joaquin Gage joining us on Insights Force as we get you rolling tonight. Uh, Mark Letestu, the former Edmonton Oiler and uh, current member of the Winnipeg Jets organization. Of course, he was uh, hit with uh, what's called myocarditis in the fall and uh, hadn't played since. So we're going to catch up with him in uh, in half an hour as well. Joaquin, uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, look, let, let people know how you're keeping. Obviously, that's the, the, the question, how are you, is no longer just kind of a throwaway question to start a conversation. It's taken on a little bit different uh, different meaning. How's everybody doing in the family? Uh, we're we're doing great, actually. It's uh, it for my fourteen year old son. That it's tough enough to get him out of his room. So he uh, he actually told me uh, a couple days ago that he's uh, he's been practicing for this for the past three years. So um, he's 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 fine. My my daughter a little bit. A little bit tougher. I've had to uh, change the the basement into a dance studio so she can virtually dance with uh, with her uh, dance unlimited company. But um, other than that, I'm just trying to get some work done from home. Um, trying to crush through <laughs> some a, a few series of shows that I that I didn't have time for before, and um, 
and cooking. I uh, I cooked a 15 pound turkey for four people the other day. So, uh, so we're we're uh, we're we're on day three of turkey sandwiches. Oh wow! Well, that's amazing. Are you have you always been pretty good in the kitchen? Yeah, my mom was a chef growing up, so I I always uh, I I've, I've been peeling peeling carrots and cutting onions for years, Reed. So it's uh, I was her little uh, little helper back in the day, and I've uh, I've always enjoyed it. My my brother-in-law is a fantastic cook. I, I, I always want him to go on one of those uh, uh, next Canada's next great chef and stuff because some of the stuff that he can he can pull off is absolutely amazing. Uh, so when you played, were you would you cook for other guys on the team? Were you like more nutritionally conscious than some of your teammates? No, not nutritional-wise. <laughs> I liked I liked the good stuff. You know, I was sure I knew that that was better for you. But uh, there was a lot of butter and stuff. I remember I uh, when actually when I was playing overseas, I I invited. Uh, I would always do this overseas. It seemed like I would just invite uh, my defensemen over and leave the forwards out of it because they never came back and played D anyway. So I would go and. Uh, get some uh, like tenderloin and have a massive steak dinner for for all my demons so uh maybe they would they would block a few more shots for now. <laughs> what was it like grocery shopping for ingredients in europe as opposed to canada and the states oh, it was great yeah. that was the best part of it all especially i mean when i was in the uk i mean like uh meat stores were kind of like 7-elevens to a point you know you, you'd find your favorite butcher and he would he would set you up. You'd almost be walking in the door, and he would he would put together some stuff for you, right? So you'd have that relationship built there, and all the fresh produce. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to if you were to go buy a loaf of bread, and it wouldn't be rock hard by the end of the day. I think that's why most <laughs> most Europeans are so healthy, just because I don't think there's many preservatives in that food. Right, Joaquin Gage joining us tonight on uh, on Inside Sports. Uh, Joaquin, a lot of questions about the uh, the NHL season. I mean, I mean, I think realistically we have to accept that we you know we may not see the Stanley Cup presented for for 2020. We'll see, you know, when the the next season is going to start. But I, I want to ask you, as someone who played in the league, if this were able to get going again and, and you were on a team in a playoff spot, do you think they should just dive right into the playoffs? try to abbreviate the regular season so at least everybody gets to the same number of games and, and, and then maybe you play a couple games to get up and running again what what would be your ideal solution um i'd go to i would like to see more teams in and then maybe go a best of five from there like go straight into the playoffs right maybe the top few get a bye just so gives those other teams a chance i i'd like to jump right into it but maybe like uh just to add a few more teams into the the whole mixture of things, and maybe go best of five for the first couple rounds, just to get through it, and then and then have it at, at that point. Because I, well, I don't think we'll, we'll see it just from the way this uh, this thing's growing in the states, especially in in some of the big markets where we know there's hockey teams. We're just uh, those cities are in complete shutdown, and we're, unfortunately, we're I don't think it's going to be. Uh, going to be possible this year the only way we're doing this is on a on a playstation or an xbox to see who wins right well so your son's in charge of that then 
Well, I got to fight him for it. I, he's kicked me to the PlayStation right now. So, uh, I tried to get in it and play with his friends, but he's I'm 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 a noob. I'm not allowed in there. <laughs> there you there you go. Uh, there you go. Well, I, I mean, I guess we'll kind of reflect on on the Oilers season uh, a little bit. Uh, when you think about this year or when you maybe remember this year, like what are a couple of real headlines from this past season, e- either good or bad? I mean, certainly Leon took off the, spe- I mean, for me, it's probably the special teams as good as, as good as dry was point wise, you got a number one power play and a number two penalty kill up from the second worst penalty kill the previous season. What about you? Well, yeah, I mean, the special teams are, are unbelievable. I, I'm, I, to look at the whole picture of the season, I, I I feel bad that there wasn't a playoffs because I think I'm always a a fan of a team that goes through a little bit of adversity at times, Um, especially that month of December with the Oilers after everything was rolling so well. We thought we were falling into the the same type of uh, thing we've seen for the past few years with uh, with this team. But this year we saw a complete bounce back in January. And then February was was not the best, but they were they were battling still throughout it. Um, I, uh, I I would have liked to have seen this team how they competed in playoffs, just because they had that they kind of had that battle tested kind of look of them a little bit. They 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 bounced back from from a bad outing really well. Their goalies were always bounced back from a bad outing quite well too. Um, they were they were battle tested for for a playoff run. It's too bad that God, it'd be nice to get them in there because the, just the, the experience of of playoffs. Like you always hear when when the season starts, the preseason, well, the preseason, the preseason, the wait till the regular season starts, and then you hear a bunch of rookies go, yeah, this is this isn't the preseason anymore. And that's even that jumps. 10 more steps when it gets to the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? Like the level of play just ramps up completely. So it would have been nice to get some of those young men seeing what it's like in playoffs in the NHL. I know they've played in playoffs before, but it's it's a little bit of a different animal when, uh, when you have NHL caliber players playing at that time of year. Joaquin, I'm going to have some fun with you here, buddy. I didn't tell you I was no, going to do this. Everyone else does. I... <laughs> I I have prepared some trivia questions. Oh God! Now they're about your right. career. They're actually about I I focused them all. Well, you'll see where we're going here. Okay. Against what team was your first career National Hockey League victory? Um, that would be the Anaheim Ducks. It, it was indeed the Anaheim Ducks, January seventh, nineteen ninety six. The Oilers won three one. Do you remember how many saves you made in that game? I think it was 36, wasn't it? According to the box score I found, and I, I, I had to go through a bunch of old newspapers in Brian Hall's <laughs> office to find this. The game's not even online. Uh, 33 saves on 34 shots, so pretty good. Uh, well, I don't know who was counting that night, but they missed three. Probably Halsey. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the other one, and this is I think this is where the real story's going to come in. In your first career victory as a goaltender in the NHL, you received four minutes in penalties. Do you remember what two minor penalties you were assessed? Jeez, I was. You were. It's. Oh my gosh, I, I have no idea. 
I guess the the thrill of the win blocks that other bad memory out. Sorry, I'm, I'm completely at a loss. So late in the third period, uh, court, and this is actually off HockeyReference.com, it says you were given a penalty for roughing and also a penalty for playing with an illegal stick. Do you have any memory of this? Gosh, no. I have <laughs> no that's clue. That's amazing. That is amazing. Well, I, I wonder why I got called for an illegal stick. That's what, that's what it says. And I was like, how, how could you possibly have, like, maybe you clubbed, you, you, you broke your stick over someone's head and then played with the, um, the piece of it. You know, <laughs> I, I, what I used to do is I used to shave down the, the, the lower end right close to the paddle. And sometimes if I would slash a guy, it would break in my hand. And um, I think that could that could have been the re- the reason it. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to go back to the tape because I know it's around here somewhere. But <laughs> I think that's why I slashed someone and then broke the stick in my hand, and then uh, the top part of the uh, my goal stick was probably just dangling there. He gave me an extra two. <laughs> There's, well, there, uh, that's that's what I think it has to be because it's not like you'd have they want to check your curve, but it's this is all. Late in the third period at 1852, uh, you got charged. You got called for roughing and an illegal stick, and Sean Van Allen got charged for interference on the goalkeeper. Oh no way! Yeah, Sean, yeah. Well, I, I remember Sean because he was at my first camp too. Really good guy, but uh, obviously I didn't. Uh, <laughs> there was, there's no friends out there, Reed. <laughs> the goal scorers for the Oilers in that game: Jason Arnett, Miro Shatan, and Brett Hauer. Brett Howard, yeah. Oh, I cooked. I used to cook dinner for him quite a few times, actually. So that was one guy. We were we were good buds. So, but yeah, no, I think uh, Paul Korea scored that game, right? I uh, think he's the one that scored on me. It's you know what? It's got Todd Todd Krieger scoring from Korea and Sillinger. That's okay. what it has as the yeah, goal. No, it was on the power play. I remember because Paul. I grew up with Paul and. Uh, I'm famous for letting good friends of mine always score on me or get points. For, 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 and I was always mad at him because um, I had a bonus for shutouts. And uh, and <laughs> he did something ridiculous at the blue line and, and shot it in or something. And it was tipped. But, but uh, yeah, I could, uh, I could use that money right now, Reed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, all the goals in that game were on the power play. All the Oilers' goals were on the power play as well. You had a you had a really memorable victory. That's like that's incredible. Uh, was it Guy? Was it Guy Hebert or what are we kind of calling him for the Ducks? Yeah, uh, Guy Herbert. I Guy Herbert. What, uh, what the uh, the Western Canadians call him. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up with Paul Korea then. Yeah, no, he uh, he was on the the North Shore, um, at, and then he moved to Burnaby Winter Club, and and I played against him for for years. He was always the he was phenomenal. Like, and at that point, there weren't too many really top end. I don't think uh, like high highly talked about prospects, especially coming out of Vancouver in the Lower Mainland. But everyone knew Paul was a Paul was a special special player. But I mean, every year. Kind of going from you know Adam to Pee Wee to Bantam to Mid- he was they were always too small, too small, too small. Then he goes off to the Penticton, who was the worst BC Junior team in the league, but managed to put up over a hundred 
points on that team. It was he was just banking pucks off people into the net basically at, at some point. But uh, he was he was a great player. Gosh, if you he's one of those guys. I wish he you could see him play in today's game because it would be mind boggling what what he would be able to do. I think. Yeah. Well, Keen, it's always great to have you on the show. Of course, we're going to keep in touch. Thanks for making time for us uh, tonight. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the time with the family, and hope you're keeping safe, buddy. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you you stay safe too, Reed. Everyone out there, stay safe. Let's uh, practice this social distancing as as best we can. So hopefully, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed, and maybe we can uh, we can see some hockey in a few weeks. Let's uh, let's uh, let's not let the dream die here. <laughs> yeah, right on. Thanks, buddy. All right, buddy. That is Joaquin Gage checking in tonight with uh, some good discussion of his uh, hockey career, his cooking career, and uh, what his family is up to as we battle the coronavirus. It is 622. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, if you would like to reach out, I'm always happy to hear from you. The number to both call and text is the same, 780-496-0063. yesterday how many NHL players had tested positive for the coronavirus there were the two members of the Ottawa Senators the Colorado Avalanche today putting out this statement the Colorado Avalanche were advised today that a player has tested positive for the COVID-19 virus the player has been at home in isolation since the first symptoms appeared has recovered and is back to normal the Avalanche have noted anyone who has uh, who has had close known contact with the athlete so uh, there we go Three NHL players confirmed to have uh, tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. 67 new cases in Alberta today. 27 Albertans are confirmed to have recovered from the coronavirus, which means we have 459 current cases. There have been 486 people uh, confirmed to have had the virus, but with the 27 recovered, we currently... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Of 459 people with the virus, 10 of those are in intensive care. That is the title track from Bounce. Yes, that's and right. Bounce. Yes. It's a good song. Well, we've Whatever had... they are self-isolating. I don't know. Maybe but... working on a new album, John Bond. 
<laughs> all the creative people in the world, there better be a lot of new books and albums when all this I is I was going to say, yeah, we're going to get a, quite the uh, media boom here in the next, like, Christmas this year is going to be lit. Here's McDavid, right side for Leon Drysaddle to the slot, on his backhand, centers, one-timer score! Drysaddle wrist shot blocked, rebound, score! Mark Letestu pumps it home on the back door. Now it's Drysaddle coming off the right half boards with a feed to McDavid. High slot, cleft ball. McDavid open top of the right circle, curls, Drysaddle shot save, rebound, score! Letestu second of the game on the power play. Bernier, they leave it in front, back door play, score! Well, there's a nice little montage as we welcome Mark Letestu back to Inside Sports. Mark, how'd you enjoy hearing that? Yeah, I didn't know if that was a montage to me or if that was uh, playing a game of which one of these don't belong because it was Tricidal McDavid and then who? <laughs> but it was, it was nice to relive. Well, it was you score. Those were four of your five playoff goals from uh, from 2017. But yeah, the, the power play ones, it tended to be some other people touching the puck before you got it. Yeah, that was that was part of the uh, it was part of the recipe, though. Know, uh, I guess just being in the right spot at the right time for those guys. Uh, you know, they, they're so good at you know opening ice and bringing people to them that uh, you just had to have somebody over there uh, with, I guess, the finger on the trigger. Uh, and lucky enough for me. I got hot at the right time and then settled into a nice folder. Well, I, I want to look back a little bit on that season, uh, Mark, and talk to you about some other things. But I, I mean, let's uh, let's update everybody on on how you're doing. Um, you were diagnosed with myocarditis um, back in the fall. I, I'll start very generally. I, I mean, what what happened here? How did you find out about this, and and uh, what led to the diagnosis? Uh, it was just uh, simple physicals uh, to start the year, really. Um, you know, I, I didn't have any symptoms or or any obvious signs, whether, you know, chest tightness or shortness of breath or anything like that. It was just going through our, our regular pre-season screenings and uh, had kind of gone through the EKG, and, and one thing kind of led to another and test after test, uh, and eventually we found it. Uh, what was the issue uh, and I, I know nothing about it uh, coming into it. I hadn't heard a lot about it, so I had to kind of read up on it. And then uh, the doctors, uh, the way it works is the inflammation to get out of there, you just have to give your heart a break. Uh, and, that, and that's really all it was. It was, it was a shutdown period uh, for what they thought was going to be six months. It ended up being a little bit shorter, uh, which was kind of fortunate for me. Uh, and I was about to get back there, uh, but then obviously uh, our world has kind of changed here, and, and it's taken a back seat. Yeah. So, did, were you? Did you have any pain, or were you were you weak, or have less energy, or out of breath, or anything like that, or it just was something that maybe if you weren't a pro hockey player, it wouldn't have even been discovered. Yeah. It, honestly, I had nothing. I had no no signs of anything, no symptoms. And that's probably the hardest part of when people are asking you, uh, you know, how you're doing or, or how you're feeling. You, you feel fine. Uh, I, I had nothing that I felt uh, was limiting me. Uh, but doctors are for they're doctors for a reason. Uh, so you just you heed their advice uh, because it's obviously very serious. It's not 
it's not like playing with a broken arm uh, where the break might just get worse. Uh, obviously, if you play with something like this, uh, you put your life in your hands, and and I'm not ready to to do that on a consistent basis. Yeah. So when were you able to? And I know you were recently cleared to play or, or cleared to you know practice again and stuff, which is another disappointing level to the season being placed on pause. But when did you sort of start? To, were you allowed to maybe be? a little more active and, and work out or do things like that? Well, I was able to work out uh, right from right from the diagnosis, but there was with, with limitations. So I couldn't get my heart rate kind of in the 150 range. Everything had to be conversational. Uh, so for, for a professional athlete, quite a bit less than what I'm used to pushing. Uh, so coming back then now, probably a month ago, where I got cleared to finally practice and skate and push into those upper limits, uh, it, it set me back conditioning-wise and... Obviously, there's a bit of a mountain to climb, uh, which has <laughs> got another little obstacle in it here. So where were you? Did you stay around the Jets, or did you go or Did you go home and, and do this at home? No, the, the team was excellent. Yeah. Uh, they understood my situation. Uh, there, there was no reason for me to to kind of be around the team on a consistent basis when, when there's really nothing to rehab. You know, it's not something you can look at and see that's getting better. Uh, so they sent me home. My family's been in Ohio, so they sent me home to be with my family, uh, which was which was actually really nice uh, to come home. In a year that I thought I was going to be away from them, uh, I got to be home a lot, be at a lot of hockey practices, pick up a lot from school. Uh, so, so that part was fun, but uh, the time away also kind of showed, showed me that I still loved the game. You know, I really missed it and that I wanted to get back to it. So what was your uh, what was your status when the season was placed on pause? Were you I can't remember were you were you on the roster or close to being put on it? Yeah, no, I I'd honestly I'd just been uh, I'd been asking the team and they put me on a conditioning stint. Uh, so I was I was I'd practiced three days with the Moose uh, and we we actually boarded a flight for Milwaukee the morning, got to Milwaukee and then the season got shut down and we we flew back home so. I got all the way to the city I was going to play in and then got the shutdown. So uh, rated, honestly, the 11th hour. Uh, I was about to play. Uh, but, you know, it, I think in other different circumstances, you'd be really frustrated about it. But uh, the way the way this has kind of overtaken the world, you understand it. You do what's, what's necessary. And, and my career, obviously, is not that important uh, when it comes to the, the big picture here. Tell us how things are in Ohio. We're hearing some escalating numbers out of the United States with the number of cases. And, hey, they're going up here, too, in Canada. We, we really don't know how this is, this is going to get. But where you are, uh, and you're just outside of Columbus, right? Yeah, I'm in. I'm basically the Sherwood Park to okay. uh, to Edmonton, okay. Columbus. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense for everybody listening. Yeah. How, yeah. how, are, how are people reacting there are they you know following the the rules so to speak are they taking this seriously enough yeah i don't think it's you know and i guess i wouldn't be speaking from from experience but you know in talking with with mom and dad at home uh, i think everybody's uh with the escalating numbers and and kind of the seriousness of it all uh the, the state in particular the governor's shutting down you know we're done with school stores everything we're on we're on a total lockdown uh I believe till April 6th. I mean, you can still go to the grocery store, but uh, the social distancing, everything's kind of in place. And people appear to be uh, adhering to it, you know, pretty strictly, which is which is good to see because 
really what we want is to to limit the exposure as much as we can and then try and keep everybody safe so uh it seems like the state is doing well uh as far as is managing a situation that that is uh that could potentially spiral out of control fairly quickly yeah and something you know this this is new for pretty much well for everybody on the planet something of of this extent so hopefully everybody's going to be smart about it mark letestu joining us tonight on inside sports uh, with the winnipeg jets he was telling you about uh, getting over myocarditis which is an inflammation of the heart muscle through most of the hockey season uh, and of course at the beginning of the interview we played some of mark's highlights from uh, from uh, the edmonton oilers playoff appearance back in 2017 mark a little bit of an anniversary it's going to be 3 years ago on Saturday that the Oilers clinched a playoff spot in 2017. You guys were able to beat the LA Kings to nail down a playoff spot, finally ending what was known as uh, as the decade of darkness. What, what do you remember about building to that clinching scenario? And, and every player, even the guys who weren't here for the majority of those 10 years, which you weren't, knew about what the franchise had been here and the angst of the fans. What, what do you remember about the, the clinching game and everything going on around the team at that time? Well, I think the the thing I take with it is the relief afterwards uh, getting in. I think, uh, you know, my first year, the, the closing of Rexall, and I don't think we were really expected to to make the playoffs. It was Connor's first year in the injury. Uh, but then, obviously, he comes back, uh, puts in, you know, the year he had, and the team has, you know, there's several players on that team that had great years. And I think it's the reason why we were able to get in and, and do, you know, and win around in the playoffs. Uh, but I just remember that, Winning that game and finally being in, uh, you know, kind of uh, kind of a weight off the shoulders because all I mean, all you hear is you know it's been a decade, it's been eleven years, it's been whatever. So that that pressure mounts on no matter who's wearing the uniform. It doesn't matter if you've been there one year or or, or all ten. Uh, there's certainly a cloud of pressure around it, and to to get in and get a chance uh, at a Stanley Cup and finally. I mean, for me, skating out for the warm-up at Game 1 was special. Like, just the energy, uh, the pent-up energy the city, the province, the surrounding area had uh, was really cool to be part of. I, you know, I work with Rob Brown. We do overtime open line after every Oilers game. Rob played in the NHL. He uses the word belief a lot. When do you think that 16-17 team started to believe it was actually a good team? Do you understand what I'm getting at? Yeah, you know, and, that, and that's tough for me to pinpoint uh, because I, I, I don't necessarily think, you know, in training camp you, you got a, you know, you got one of those situations where I think everybody says they want to win the Stanley Cup, but you don't actually start believing it until – you know, a lot of cutoffs are American Thanksgiving. If you're in a spot, then you're like, oh, okay, you know, we, we got a shot at this. We're, we're in the playoff position. You know, odds say that we're going to be in at the end. So maybe at that point, you know, you're playing at a certain level and you're in the playoffs at that point. Uh, you're thinking if you play consistently, you're going to get in. Uh, but we knew we had special players, uh, but that's obviously not a not a, a definite when it comes to playoffs. It is, it's truly a team game. Uh and maybe as, as the season went on, we started to believe more and more. But I thought our coaching staff was very good about, uh, you know, keeping focus, you know, day to day, taking care of what we could that day. Uh, and I think it led to us having more success as the year went on. 
All right, so we played some of your goals at, at the beginning, and, and, and you joked that you felt your name uh, didn't belong with <laughs> with that group, but you were on that power play, and Leon Dreisaitl was involved in a few of those plays. You know, we saw him crack the top 10 in scoring that year with McDavid leading the way. This year, Leon Dreisaitl is the leading scorer in, in the NHL, and uh, you know, I assume they're still going to give him the Art Ross Trophy, even if they don't get back to, to playing the games. You know, from my point of view, Mark is someone covering the team and, you know, interacting with uh, with the fans after the games and on this show, well, concerns about his skating, you know, didn't turn out to be a problem. Uh, you know, concerns about can he play with different line mates? He seems to be fine with that. We still get the odd call about his defense and his turnovers, but I'm like, you know, the coach is using him 25 minutes a game because he's pretty confident he can do some things with the puck. You know, as a teammate and now seeing him, you know, as a member of the, another organization along the way. Just tell me about Leon's development as, as you've seen it. And, and did you think he could be who he has been this season, the number one guy in the league? Well, I think it's, it's, uh, it's very uh, hindsight if I tell you that I knew he was going to win Art Ross and, you know, be up for a heart or anything. But you, you knew there was incredible talent. I still tell people he's the best player I've ever played with on his back end. Uh, he, he's just able to make, uh, whether it's passes or, or being able to hold people off on his back end. Uh, I've, I've never played anybody uh, with anybody like that. Uh, but uh, for me, I thought his game changed when he, when he started to shoot the puck more. Uh, I thought when I first uh, played with him, he, he was a playmaker. He was a guy that looked to pass and, and, Great passer, uh, but he was always looking to pass, and, and I think his game's developed. He, he's turned into a shooter. Uh, you know, his, his shot's lethal, uh, whether he's getting it off from that low point of the power player, and he has that combination of size and power and strength. Uh, he's an elite player. Uh, and, and you can, I guess we can pick at his game and, and defense and, and turnovers and whatnot, but he, you got to remember he's still a, a very young man. Uh, and there's still a lot of growth left in his game. Uh, so if that part of his game that that people pine for, uh, you know, rounds into whatever elite shape they think it needs to get to, uh, there, there's not many players that can handle uh, a guy like that. All right, Mark, I got one more for you, and it's from the, the text line. I think you're going to like this one. It's from Dennis in Grand Prairie, who says, Hey, Reed, can you ask Mark which AJHL barn was the toughest to play in? There you go. <laughs> well, we never won in Fort McMurray, so that's well, who did. That's the, the, <laughs> yeah, we we never won up there. I think we lost in Game Seven twice in the playoffs up there. Uh, so the, for me, that's that's the toughest one. Uh, yeah, tough bus ride. Everything about it was, was tough on us. But uh, Fort McMurray, we never won up there. It's got to be number one for me. And, and Bonneville had the shortest bus ride in the league to get to Fort McMurray, and it was still what f- three or four hours. <laughs> I think it was up up near five. I think it was oh, six geez. to Grand Prairie and five to Fort McMurray. So it was uh, not a pretty road. So it was not a lot to look at. And if the movies were bad, it was a long five hours. <laughs> hey, Mark, thanks for checking in. I always love having you on the show. I appreciate you keeping in touch. Uh, I, I, first of all, I'm glad you're doing, you're doing health-wise. And uh, whenever hockey's back, you're going to be good to go. Thank you so much for checking in tonight. 
No, I appreciate it, and be safe. That is Mark Letestu on the line here on Inside Sports with the Winnipeg Jets. So he took you through what uh, was was a difficult season, an odd season for him, myocarditis. And, and as he told you, he didn't feel sick. I mean, he had a, an inflammation of the heart muscle. He didn't feel unusual, didn't feel weak, didn't feel like he had anything wrong with his heart. But uh, he needed to step away from playing pro hockey for a while to get better. And uh, as he told you, he's with the Manitoba Moose for some conditioning. And then the season gets put on pause and some good memories too of uh, the Oilers playoff appearance and playoff team in the 16-17 season. Always happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Google reviews, call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Back in a couple of minutes. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, five minutes before 7 o'clock. Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is the studio operator this evening. Kellen, how are you doing, old boy? Yo-yo. <laughs> now, was that a greeting, or did you see a yo-yo and you were pointing it out? No, I'm just trying to change it up. You know, Do kids still play different. with yo-yos? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> how do you know? You don't have any children. Well, I still see them on sale, so... Oh, fair enough. I think I had one as a kid. I could never get it to I work. I had one, too. Yeah. Did you get it to work? Uh, no. No, I had to get. Here's the thing: I had to get one of those yo-yos that actually goes back up on the string by itself. Like it's got like a little motor in it, so you put it out there. It's kind of. It's like a self-assisted yo-yo. I had one of those. (laughs) Self-assisted yo-yo. Yeah. That's how bad it, uh, I was at it. So uh, yeah, I, I I had one as a kid. I don't really remember ever uh, using it or or mastering it. What did I What did I like as a kid? You know what I used to like reading as a kid? Those uh, choose your own adventure books. Oh, those were fun. Yeah. Did you? Did they still make those? Oh they yeah. Should. Yeah. There's everything from like Spider Man to WWF. Yeah. It was like it was it was like an open ended. What do they have now? These open world video games. Yeah. But exactly. it was like an open world book. I oh. mean, obviously you could. It would. You'd, you'd get repetitive after a while. Open world RPG. But I, I used to like those, and I used to read Encyclopedia Brown. Did you? Did you have Encyclopedia Brown? I've heard of it. I never read, so read it. So you read the you read a little story, and then it would say Encyclopedia Brown. You know, he was. Let's face it. He was a bit of a know-it-all. Okay. He was a bit of a know-it-all. I mean, his first name's Encyclopedia. Right. But he would. There'd be a little mystery in his school or in his town, and then you'd have to read it, and then you'd see if you could solve it, and then you'd flip to the back and get the oh, answer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I remember the bully that used to pick on Encyclopedia Brown. His name was Bugs Meanie. 
I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure somebody's gonna somebody's gonna argue with me, just like the Newt Newton thing yeah, from the, the other Newton night. Controversy. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.